Greetings, humans. You have entered the command zone, your destination for all aspects of Elder Dragon Highlander. Enjoy your stay. All right, that was great. I can't sing. It's Michael Jackson, man. It's way, it's like three octaves too high for me. Michael Jackson is great. How's it going, everybody? You are watching slash listening to the Command Zone podcast. Yeah, I, I, at one Did point like, I learned the Thriller dance. The but whole thing? No, well, they were doing a thing because around uh, the time that he passed away, they were like doing like a flash mob thing at Staples Center and teaching oh. everybody, and I was at a Laker game or a Clipper game, and anyway. Wow, you were a part of the history. It wasn't a Laker game. I hate the Lakers. It was the Clippers. Clippers are pretty cool. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there are many real Lakers fans, considering everyone in the city moves here. When they're winning, there's Sorry, a lot. There are a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fair weather. Uh, and when they're oh, and when they're losing, so much hate. From I know. Lakers fans. Well, here's the thing: I rooted for the Lakers because I didn't want the Celtics to win. That was my big thing in college. I grew up in Portland, and Trailblazers fans yeah. hate the Lakers. Like we're born and raised that way. Yeah, so, Sonics yeah. fans are a little more ambivalent. Rest in peace, Sonics. So Ooh, here's the thing sad. about Lakers that fans. Hurts. When they win, they riot. When they lose, they riot. They just riot, <laughs> no matter what. All right. So today we're doing, uh, we're going to have two weeks of very special times. We're doing Brawl Deck Techs. Of, wait, wait. What, what show are they listening to? Oh, you're listening to the Command Zone Podcast. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Quiet. Okay. It's actually been a while since we recorded. Um, and we're yeah, gonna, we're, we recorded two in a row, and then we took a week off, even though you guys didn't notice. So, uh-huh. you know, we're tricky like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Game Nights has come out. Josh is currently. Should, this should, is this is hell month for Josh. I'm just gonna say that much. Do you want to give him a quick breakdown before we get into it? For those of you looking for the timestamp when the actual podcast starts, just keep waiting. Okay, so uh, this month has been brutal. So we have to find our own offices for the command zone and game nights. Um, Rocket Jump is moving, and just the way that it worked out is that by May 1st we have to be out of here. So Jimmy and mm-hmm. I have been dealing with that. Uh, there was a trip to Hawaii that I had planned with my girlfriend. We've had it planned and paid for for like six or nine months so that was 10 days taken away in the middle this episode of game nights um just happened to be the longest game that we've ever played that was featured on the show so five hours yeah it was five hours the actual game was five hours so that's not how long game nights is gonna be obviously we got to cut it down but imagine that like most of the games on game nights are somewhere around two and a half maybe three hours so it's just what is that 40% 40% more work yeah. for the episode in a month where 10 days uh, I was going to be gone and we have to find a new office to move to. Also, my landlord where I live sold our house and we have to find a new house to live in. I didn't know that. Uh, what? Yeah. Also, in the middle of all this, uh, my dog had to have surgery. Uh, she chipped her tooth and it wasn't anything we saw coming. And then, because that wasn't enough stuff that happened while we uh, I was in Hawaii... And Terry's here cutting, editing on game nights um, while I'm gone trying to get as much done as he can. His apartment caught on fire. And almost basically the apartment complex um, almost burned to the ground. Like, yeah. there's news footage of it. In fact, Craig, let's find some news footage of that and put it up of Terry's apartment on fire. So, yeah. Terry, literally the room next to him burnt down. So Terry's he... like literally running into his house to save his cat. Like... That all happened this month, and uh, so yeah, we're in we're in we're in hell right now, trying to yeah. finish game nights. Literally staying here like seventeen hours. Josh uh, is a day. You're doing a lot of work Terry right too. Now. Terry's working Terry his butt Josh, off. Yeah. So 
big big props to Terry. Um, so anyway, we're gonna get it done uh, at this time. You'll have already seen Game Nights. It'll already have come out, and uh, unbeknownst to you, all that the, that's what we did to get it done. So yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. And now Josh has like three hours of podcasting ahead of him, so that we can you know, because I'm going into town next week, of course. For an and we're moving offices, so we don't know right beforehand. Yeah, it's literally going to be one of the craziest months ever. So um, if you're thankful for all that craziness that's going on here and you want to help us because we're moving into a new office or you know you want to help Terry because his apartment burned down you know one of the ways to do that is to support our sponsors if you go to uh, cardkingdom.com slash command zone and use that affiliate link to purchase your magic cards singles product you know you're going to buy all that stuff anyway if you just use the affiliate link when you do you are really helping us out and the same goes for Ultra Pro Uh, they support the show as well you can buy Ultra Pro product wherever you buy magic product in general as well as at Card Kingdom uh, you know, it's funny because this is the what happens. People don't really get this how sponsorship works in that in a lot of ways when we make content, we make it for you, the community, because you are paying us with views and subscribership and all that stuff. When we make stuff for sponsors, it's the exact same thing. That means we have to hit deadlines. We have to make sure things get out on a certain time because we have signed contracts to do so. And as a result, when life just goes on underneath all of it, if a month like this happens, we don't get to say anything about it. We just have to still hit those no matter what. So that's why we're here recording this podcast. And the last and final way you can support the show is by going to patreon.com slash command zone. That is how you directly support Josh and myself and help pay for every single dog surgery Josh ever needs to get. <laughs> oh, God, I hope there's no more. Me too. Me too. Fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Uh, in fact, we call out one lucky patron every single episode. And this episode is dedicated to <gasps> Eliana Ford. Ford. Beep, beep. You've never heard that joke before. I'm so sorry. Eliana, you rock. Thank you. All right, let's talk about Moldrotha and Brawl. Oh, did we say at the top? Okay, we should talk about this really quickly. So the most recent episode of Game Nights was a Brawl game. As a result, we're going to be discussing the Brawl deck that I played in this episode. And next episode, we'll be talking about the Joda Brawl deck that Jimmy played. I know this is going to draw some ire from people out there because we're a Commander podcast. Um... But Brawl is similar. We did play it on game nights. It's not something we're going to talk about a lot. But for the next two weeks, it's going to be a little bit about Brawl. Then we'll go back to your regularly scheduled content. So, you know, try not to get too upset about it. The deck building advice you're going to get from this, it's like basically learning how to build a commander deck with a smaller card pool. Yeah. and and, uh, apply that to the rest of the field. You're going to learn a lot. I made the statement, Jimmy. I think you made a similar statement on Twitter, which is I actually believe this Moldrotha deck um, could stand up to a lot of could could hold its own in a lot of commander games not maybe the top tier competitive edh games with people comboing off on turn five six yeah. but but i would feel comfortable playing this deck and having a chance to win in most situations and the same goes for the joda deck too yeah they're, they're <laughs> very powerful um again not quite as powerful as as fully tuned edh decks but not as far off as you might think so yeah if you're playing a 75 percent deck without tutors guess what you might get your butt handed to you by one of these decks <laughs> <laughs> um okay so Oh, yeah. One more thing. Sorry. We are going to sort of reference game nights. We'll try not to spoil it too hard, but, you know, we are. this is not scripted, so in the heat of the moment, we might. So if you haven't seen the latest episode of Game Nights, I would recommend going to check that out. Please do. And then coming back and listening or watching this episode, just so we don't ruin it for you. Um, okay. Fair warning. Let's read Moldrotha, the Gravetide. What a lady. What a lady. So she costs six mana total, three black, green, blue. So three in Sultai for a 6-6 legendary creature elemental avatar. She says, during each of your turns, you may play up to one permanent card of each permanent type from your graveyard. 
And then it says, if a card has multiple permanent types, choose one as you play it. Um, so that last one means if you have an artifact creature in your graveyard and you play it from your graveyard, you can say, well, that's my artifact for turn. And then you can play a normal creature also. So you could sort of get around the rules by playing, uh, you know, play two creatures in a turn if one of them is an artifact creature. Yeah. Or I suppose in Commander, if one of them was an enchantment creature, you could pull that off. Um, yeah, you can play, uh, I think, set, there's seven total or six or seven six, total or seven total with Planeswalkers. Yeah, I don't know. Does tribal count? Tribal is not a permanent type, right? No, I don't think so. So yeah. then there's only six, I there's believe. Six, yeah. So that is a lot of value, obviously, and it's three colors in Brawl, which is a good thing because it's a limited card format, and thus you even said this, you were looking for cards to put in towards the end because you couldn't figure out the last slots. Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of cards in contention for like the 35th, 36th card, 30, 34th or whatever. Um, there were a lot, but there wasn't any like... I'd run out of the really like obvious. This is awesome, and yeah. And so I felt like I was on the two tier two cards there. Um, I like something you said there, which is that brawl is a limited card pool, which is fun. You have to MacGyver stuff. You got to come up with you know things that you wouldn't normally think of. At the same time, it's very helpful to have a lot of colors in your commander <laughs> because if you take the cream of the crop from only one color, it's going to be like shallow yeah now you got two colors now you got three colors and all of a sudden you've got more you had a five color deck yep. so you, the cream of your crop was the best of the best from each color yeah and you can find more synergy with the more colors you go the deeper yeah. you go i mean just think about the merfolk if you had to build a mono green merfolk deck versus a blue green one in this format you're gonna have a lot more to do with two colors yeah so three colors is good uh i do want to say one other thing which is we're going to talk about brawl and this deck in the context of a multiplayer game and not a 1v1 game. And it's unclear, I think, to me at least at this time, whether Brawl's supposed to be 1v1 or Agreed. multiplayer. It may be more fun than Commander 1v1, but it's less fun than Commander multiplayer. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. It sits somewhere in the middle. Because I think these decks can be fun played one-on-one -on -one against each other. Yeah, and I think one-on-one's a totally different beast, just like it is in Commander. So it's hard to sort of talk about a deck and build a deck that's going to be good in, in both cases. 1v1 brawl feels like it's going to be closer to standard to me than mm -hmm. it is to commander multiplayer brawl feels like it'll be more like what we're used to from a game of commander yeah um maybe a split between like a conspiracy multiplayer draft and a game huh. of commander it's like somewhere in the middle yeah okay so and not enough board wipes still <laughs> <laughs> okay so back to moldrotha you can play one of each permanent type from your graveyard on each of your turns mm-hmm uh, so you can't, like, even if a creature has flash, you can't flash it out during an opponent's turn. It Moldrotha just doesn't do anything during your opponent's turns. Um, it's an insane card. Yep, there's nothing like it in the format. There's no kinds of real graveyard consistent recursion, and this is it. Moldrotha is the queen of Brawl. She's the best commander in Brawl. I believe so. I think she's a very strong just commander and commander, too. Yeah. Um, and we'll, for sure, I mean, we talked about Moldrotha yeah. in that respect as well. She's a value card a value generator and i think that's going to be the strategy of your brawl deck with moldrotha is to sort of grind your opponents down with value because mm -hmm. they're not going to be able to keep up with the amount of value because you could play a card that does something and then they get rid of it and then you just play it again yeah <laughs> and it's like like you could just keep doing that there are very few cards that essentially get rid of there's no graveyard hate really uh, there's i think actually I, I will say there is some decent graveyard hate in in the format and that's sort of the yeah. boogeyman for you. Um, we'll t I'll talk about that in a minute. It's though. fine too because even then, this deck still finds a way to get through. Yeah, and I did. I crazy. did actually design my deck with the graveyard hate in mind. Um, well, let's let's talk about that. So, well, 
okay. starting with the best card in the deck. Yeah, I, we don't do this enough, but the the very best card in the deck, I believe, is Perpetual Timepiece, which is awesome because this card's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> like, so... You would open it in the, in the Ether of Wolfpack, and you're like, what is... Or Cali's Pack, and just like, why? I don't want this. I happen to have a foil that I found that I had put in with the regular... Like, you know when you open cards, you like yeah. you open a box of cards, so you like separate the Mythics and Rares, and then I get a white BCW box... And just all the commons and uncommons just go in that. <laughs> and the foil perpetual time piece was with just every other common and uncommon. I didn't even Beautiful. bother to pull it out as a foil. Force of Will was a uh, uncommon. I think we have the next force right here. <laughs> so <laughs> perpetual time piece, two mana artifact. You can tap it to put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard. Mm -hmm. There's not a ton of efficient self mill in the format. And so this is just very good. It basically draws you two cards every turn. Yeah. Tap it, mill yourself for two in this deck. Almost all your cards are going to be playable with Moldrotha if they're in there. And then it has a very important actual second ability, which is you pay two and you exile the perpetual timepiece, and then you shuffle any number of target cards from your graveyard into your library. Womp. So a couple of things here. One is there is definitely the propensity, I think, in this format to get close to milling out or be milled out, as we saw in game nights. Um, so this can save you from that scenario where you're going to be yeah. milled out. It also can be... Uh, sort of save your cards to at least have the chance to use again if somebody uses graveyard hate against you. Yeah. The perpetual timepiece goes boom. They, they go to remove your graveyard and go, okay, well, I'm going to shuffle the stuff back in and at least I can sort of start the train rolling again. Yeah. Also, if you just want to, for instance, be like, I'm going to mill out, but I still want to have these 10 amazing things in my graveyard, you get to choose <laughs> which ones stay in there. So your hand stays the same if, you're, if no one's threatening your graveyard. Yeah, it's a really good point. You can just be like, oh, well, I want I want to know that I have X card yeah. uh, in my graveyard, and I'll just put the rest in uh, or shuffle the rest in. Yeah. So like I said, I found most of the self-mill options in Brawl you know, that are legal right now to be pretty inefficient or bad. Um, so I really didn't go that route much, which I thought I would when I originally picked up the deck. So I only really have two self-mill cards that I'm playing in the deck. Um, the oh. first one is one anybody who plays standard will have heard of. Yeah, Search for Ascanta. And this, in fact, this card just may be good in general. It's one in the blue, Legendary Enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, look at the top card of your library. You may put that card into your graveyard. Then if you have seven or more cards in your graveyard, you may transform Search for Ascanta. And it becomes Ascanta, the Sunken Ruin, a legendary land. You can tap it to add blue, or you can pay two and a blue to tap it, look at the top four cards, and you reveal a non-creature, non-land from one and put it into your hand, and the rest go on the bottom of your library. So it's a May ability yes. to transform it. Yeah. So you may not necessarily do it each time because it just gives you a free sort of scry, essentially. But scry draw? I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, because it, well, it goes to your graveyard. Yeah. So it's a mill scry, kind of? Yeah. The, the important part is that with Search for Ascanta out in Moldrotha, you basically don't even have to look. You just self-mill yourself one every turn. Yeah. Um, and it's only two mana put out, and you never flip it. I no. Unless it's an instant or a sorcery that you absolutely need. Yeah. And like, you don't want your graveyard. And you're going to die if you don't get it. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you're just milling it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting because you would expect that card to just be okay. But again, you have to look at everything in this deck through the lens of what Muldrotha does. So anytime it goes to the graveyard, it's hard to think. Because it's like you can't play every card in your graveyard because they can share uh, types. But just imagine at most your hand is plus six thanks to your graveyard with options. Yep. Um, and then the other shelf mill card is a really interesting one. It's Ipnu Rivulet. It's a land. It's a desert. You can tap it for colorless, or you can pay one life, tap it, and add a blue mana to your mana pool, or you can pay one and a blue, sacrifice it, tap and sacrifice it, sorry, and then target player puts the top four cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard. 
So this is meant in the deck as sort of a way that you have a land that's drawing you cards, right? Because, and I'm saying that because I consider things in your graveyard to be cards in your hand, basically yeah. with Muldrosa. It's not exactly the same because she can get removed and whatnot, but but you have access to those cards at certain points throughout the game. And Ipnu Rivulet also can be replayed with Muldrotha. So you sacrifice it. Yeah, that's huge. Mill yourself for four and then play it back out of your graveyard with Muldrotha. And the four cards that you got are just, well, I have those cards now that I could play. And then just sacrifice it again. And it also has the added bonus of being able to be used on offense against your opponents near the end of the game. Eight cards can be a lot in a 64 60 card deck, yeah. 60 card deck, That's and a sixth of the deck. A format that we've found the games can go a little bit long, they can still made out, and you can get near the end there. And so, really, just on your end step, mill somebody, play it again on your turn, mill somebody. Yeah. You can win games that way, as we've seen. Sorry, I said the sixth, I meant a tenth. A tenth. I had to fix it's, that. It's a more, it's, it's less than a tenth. It's less than a tenth, an and more than a, a little more, less than an eighth, too, because eight would be yeah, 64. 64. It's like 1.73. That's what I'm saying. I'm sticking with it. <laughs> All right. Now, here are the cards that just... Oh, yeah. Well, let, well, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry. You want to talk about graveyard hate? Well, what I wanted to talk about was why I didn't go with as much self-mill. Oh, and, and the strategy here was... So I was worried about some graveyard hate in the format. And there's some decent stuff. There's Silent Gravestone, Scavenger Grounds, Crook of Condemnation, Sentinel Totem. There was things I was worried people were going to run this format because of Muldrotha. And, and just because graveyard hate, if it doesn't cost you much, can be good. Yeah. Like Silent Gravestone costs you very little to put in your deck because it replaces itself. Mm-hmm. And so I was worried about that stuff. And so I didn't want to be doing like self-mill, 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 self-mill. Yeah, my graveyard got 30 cards in it. Graveyard hate. I'm done. <laughs> right? So I wanted things that kind of put themselves into the graveyard so that I draw the card, I play it. It does something that puts itself into the graveyard. Yeah. And now... You know, I'm not in a super bad position if it gets removed from the graveyard or something, because the next card I draw will put itself in and 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 right. sort of reaccumulate that value. Ipnu Rivulet has a little bit of that yes. on it as well. Yeah, that's exactly what Ipnu Rivulet is. Yeah. So, with that in mind, our first category is cards that put themselves into the graveyard, um, and that's the bulk of this deck in the strategy. And that first one, again, not a good card. No, not a good card, but in this deck, maybe like the third or fourth best card. It's, it's really good. <laughs> Unbridled Growth, green. Have you ever wished in Commander you could just pay green and draw a card? Have you just wished for that ability at sorcery speed? Well, that's what Unbridled Growth is. It's an enchantment aura that you put on the land, and it has the land has tap, add one mana of any color to your mana pool. So fixing, sure, but more importantly, you can just sacrifice this enchantment to draw a card. So every single turn, you can just be like, out of the graveyard, play it for green, draw a card immediately. Yep. Now remember, you can only play one enchantment per turn with Muldrotha, but enchantments are going to be the least used. Yeah. So Could you imagine if you had an enchantment that say you may only use this ability once a turn and it costs one green? I would still play it. Uh, absolutely. Let's say it was a one green enchantment and it said one green, draw a card, use this ability only once on your turn. And in sorcery speed. Yeah. I'm playing it. Still awesome. Yeah. It's yeah. the most consistent <laughs> card draw in the entire deck. Also, the fixing is not for nothing. Yeah. A lot of times I played it, tap that land for the mana I need, then sack it to draw because I'm like, oh, I don't have enough red or, yeah. or sorry, not yeah, red. Yeah. Not red. I don't have enough black. Are you sure? Uh, <laughs> you could add some more, though, with that you card. You could add red, technically. Uh, the next one is Siren Storm Tamer. Yeah. This is one blue for a 1-1 flying pirate wizard siren, but you can pay a blue and sacrifice it to counter target spell or ability that targets you or a creature you control. Very good. That uh, repeatability is crazy. Amazing. Amazing, because it goes to your graveyard, and then you can just play it the next turn. Imagine... A two mana, a two blue, two blue counter spell that yeah. you know 
It's uh, it's really good. Oh, this next card is... Maybe again. the fourth best card in the deck. <laughs> Every card's going to be the third or fourth best card in the deck. Actually, it feels like it goes one, two, and then everything else is around the yeah. three area. Uh, Scribe of the Mindful, two in the blue. Remember how you can't play instants or sorceries with Moldrotha? Well, you can't play this creature. Where you pay one and tap it to sacrifice it and return target instant or sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. So the only downside is he costs three mana to play, but at the same time... And it's, and it's something you have to wait for haste-wise because uh, you can't do it the turn it comes out. But still... Every single time, if you guys remember the episode when this was out, it was an imminent threat. Had to get dealt with. Yeah. It turns Muldrotha into any card in your graveyard you get to keep, yeah. keep replaying. And the thing is, the Scribe of the Mindful, you sacrifice it to get an insider sorcery, which puts it back in the graveyard, which means I can cast it again. So once so Scribe nice. is going, <laughs> once Scribe's going, it's very, very difficult to sort of stop that loop. Um yeah, that's that's I don't know. What I mean, that's kind of how this deck works: is that it it pops out like those little like machines in uh you know in the first Star Star Wars one, the little rolly balls. It pops yeah. up, or it's like Grievous with like four lightsabers. It's like you get rid of one arm, it's still got all these other things going. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Like try and deal with this now. Um, the next one is underhanded designs. It's one in a black for an enchantment. Whenever an artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you can pay one. And if you do, each opponent loses one life and you gain one life, which is Wind actually condition. <laughs> which is actually a decent ability. Um, it's kind of extortish, not exactly. But also you can pay one in a black and sacrifice underhanded designs and destroy target creature. Now you can only activate this ability if you control two or more artif- artifacts. Remember, the deck wants a very even split between permanents. Now, obviously, you're going to have a lot more creatures and everything else because there's just more of those. But artifacts, enchantments, uh, planeswalkers, yeah. you want you know a number of those. So getting two artifacts, not that difficult. Once underhanded design is going, too, it's four mana kill a creature. Yeah. And sometimes in there, just gain some life, get some value. I really yeah. like this card. I mean, like, I can see a game, too, where you're trying to kill everyone that's a board stall and you just keep playing the same artifacts out of your graveyard, sacking, yep. you know. Yeah, exactly, because you're sacking seven playing it again. Yeah, this with this, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, finally, in the line with Ipni Rivulet, uh, Evolving Wilds is literally draw a land out of your deck every turn tapped. Because Muldrotha is basically Crucible of Worlds also. Yeah, so, which is insane. Yeah, so Evolving Wilds, you <laughs> sack it to go find a land, and then it's in your graveyard, and you play it as your land for turn. Do that, rinse, repeat. Rant. Very good. So are you guys understanding now why this deck is busted? <laughs> Do people see it yet? So there's also some cards. Now, remember, this category is cards that put themselves in the graveyard. And so far, we've only talked about cards that do that from play. But there are cards that put themselves in the graveyard from your hand. They're called cycling cards. And cycling cards are insane with Muldrotha because you cycle them away. And normally, that's gone. You're done. It's like, well, I got to cycle it. I need to draw a card. But in Muldrotha, you cycle it away and then play it. (laughs) Again, all the cycle lands say, pay two to cycle this, draw a card, and then you can play the land you just cycled away. Yeah. It's one of the most powerful things I found when sort of playing the deck, well, even when goldfishing it, was that on somewhere before you play Muldrotha, you really wanted to cycle a land into your graveyard because it felt it feels really good to play Muldrotha and Mm. immediately play a land from your graveyard as your land for turn. It's just like... I get automatic value without, you know, any mana yeah. cost. I'll also just say in Brawl, I think cycling is one of the best things in this current format for you, for people to do. It just gives you more options and, and again, a limited card pool, and you're going to want to be able to do anything you can to get your deck closer to a commander one. So if that means more card draw, more ways to tutor. Tutoring is, card drawing is like random tutoring, if you think yeah. about it. So the more you can do that, the better. It also allows you to play a few more lands. 
because if you flood out, you cycle away the extra ones. Yeah. And if you don't, you play them as yeah. your land for turn. So, yeah. Um, two of the cycling cards I really, really like. Oh, yeah. Um, one is Nimble Obstructionist. It's two and a blue for a 3-1 flying bird wizard with flash. But as cycling two and a blue, and when you cycle the Nimble Obstructionist, you counter target activated or triggered ability you don't control. So you kind of stifle something. Yeah. Extremely powerful. Um, remember, Planeswalkers can be commanders in this format and a lot of the planeswalker strategies are trying to get to an ultimate well imagine you ultimate and i counter that ability yeah why would you do that though That's mean. <laughs> what if when you ultimated i untapped a, just a random permanent on the battlefield because that's what Vizier of the Tumbling Sands does. Uh, this card, just in general, this deck has a lot of mana rocks. Great, because it can untap cards. Uh, you can tap it to untap a target permanent. It's a two in the blue for a 1-1. One, one. It also has cycling for one in the blue, and when you cycle it, you untap target permanent. So, great way to just get someone, as well as just have this card to play out later, because this card on the battlefield, I think, is better than, like, a 3-1 Flash Flyer, yeah. right? And the Nimble Obstructionist. So, it's ramp, right? Yeah, it's just ramp. It's just a very good card in general. Um, it says untap target permanent, too, so that very few cards just say permanent. So, it includes land includes a lot of stuff you can also mess with opponents combats and stuff too if you want yep okay so those are the cards that put themselves in the graveyard there's also a sort of a a lot of mechanics around Amonkhet of cards that like to be in the graveyard yep. if you're going to self-mill and you're going to put stuff in there you want to include a couple of these uh one of these i believe is one of the better cards just in the format yeah uh, i have a list in my outline for joda that's cards that any deck if you can play it should and this is on it yeah that might be the best creature just all around in the format it's yep this is crazy it's, it's it's a card that i love too it's a clone it's vizier of many faces two blue blue and you may have it enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature uh except if it was embalmed then it sort of adds its zombiness to it so it's no mana cost white zombie and the embalm cost is three blue blue so you get two uses out of a clone in a format where you don't have, honestly, you know, having lack to a lot access to a lot of other colors means you can't be having awesome cards. And then sometimes other people just have cards that you want. And like, for instance, I'm pretty sure I want a Muldrotha. I'm going to Vizier it if I can, if I have the option to. Yeah. If Any you're deck- playing against a Muldrotha deck, you want a Muldrotha. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad for you. Yeah. Vizier is just a clone you get to play twice. The value is insane. Um, the other card I'm going to talk about that also has... Uh, it has Eternalize. Vizier has Embalm. Right. Um, it's Champion of Wits. It's two and a blue for a 2-1. When Champion of Wits enters the battlefield, you may draw cards equal to its power if you do discard two cards. So when you play Champion of Wits... Um, oh, sorry. It has Eternalize, five blue, blue. Eternalize is the same as Embalm, except for the creature always comes out as a 4-4 four, four yep. base when you do that. Um, so when you play Champion of Wits the first time, you loot two... Remember, Moldrotha wants things in the graveyard. Looting is very good with Moldrotha. So Champion of Wits kind of play it, draw two cards. Yeah. And then when you eternalize it back out, draw you draw four, four and discard two. So you draw four cards. Um, yeah, this, again, just an insane value card in the deck. It's pretty much what you always want to do in this deck is just get the engine going and you are good. Um, now, of course, we need to have some sort of single target removal or just interaction with the rest of the game. Uh, Manglehorn, a card, two and a green for a creature beast. When it enters the battlefield, you can destroy a target artifact. Already great. It's sort of like it's a, this is our scavenging ooze. Or not. Yeah. 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 For the format. And oh, then. Oh, not scavenging ooze. Acidic slime. Acidic slime. Sorry. Acidic slime. And yeah. then even more ridiculous, artifacts your opponent's control enter the battlefield tapped. 
which happens. Just to add it, just to just stick a, them Yeah, <laughs> why not? Like, the card, if it was just that first line, would be like, okay, cool, like, I can see a lot of new commander decks playing this. But that second effect is actually really important. Like, Blind Obedience is a great card. Yeah. And Manglehorn being able to do that, and there's, I think a lot of people are going to be playing Gilded Lotus in this format, so. Yep. And Kaladesh powerful. and Aether Revolt are two of the sets. That's, yeah. They represent 40% of the format right now. Um, those are artifact sets. Yeah. So Manglehorn's just very good. Hostage Taker is another one. You Ugh. know, you just want a lot of ETB sort of toolboxy stuff. Hostage Taker, two blue black for a two three human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, you can exile target artifact or creature until Hostage Taker leaves the battlefield. But you may cast that card for as long as it remains exiled, and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast that spell. So yeah, this is take care of somebody's thing and get it yourself. Yep. Can you imagine awesome. playing that more than once in a game? Yes, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to imagine. Um, again, this deck wants to split itself along a bunch of different permanent types. And guess what? Muldrotha can also play Planeswalkers from the graveyard. Something that we all found out very quickly and didn't think about when we played this Brawl game. Everyone was like, oh, crap, I think when it happened. Yeah. You, it's, hard to, it's hard to see how good that is until you sort of realize that it's actually pretty hard to exile Planeswalkers. Yeah. There's a few things that do it. There's not many in this format. So you end up just attacking them to kill them, right? The Muldrotha deck doesn't care. It just replays it. And it's almost better because a yeah. lot of times you're like immediately activate it. It's like Planeswalkers are sort of like creatures with enter the battlefield effects yeah. that continue to like enter the battlefield again if you don't. Like they have to kill them. Yeah, they have to kill them. No <laughs> but then matter you're what. like, crap, I don't want to kill it. Yeah. And that's where you saw, again, this was a really interesting conversation in game nights about what to do about a Planeswalker that could come back. Or, I mean, we or- literally, because. Jimmy had a Muldrotha and Planeswalkers. We decided to leave one of the Planeswalkers at one loyalty rather than kill it. Mm-hmm. Just because it was actually better for him to have it die and recast it. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy. Okay, so uh, there's a couple of Planeswalkers in the deck. First one, pretty good. Vraska Relic Seeker, four, a black and a green for a six, le- a six loyalty Planeswalker. Her plus two makes a two, two black pirate creature token with menace. Her minus three destroys a target artifact, creature, or enchantment. Enchantment removal, very good. And you get a treasure. Yeah, and then you create a treasure, which you can sacrifice to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. And then her minus 10, which you're probably not really interested in, is target life, player's life total becomes one. Um, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I'm not interested in that either. Now, she gets rid of enchantments, which is huge. Yeah. That's, I think, a big thing in this format. Enchantments are very hard to deal with. You don't have, like, a kill-all enchantment spell. Yeah. And you don't have, like, a creature that enters battlefield, really, and kills enchantments. And so you're kind of down to like one for one enchantment removal, which is not really where you want to be on spells mostly. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's very powerful for that. The other planeswalker is Nissa, Steward of Elements. She's a green, a blue, and X. His card. And she comes in with X loyalty. You can plus two her to scry two. You can zero her and look at the top card of your library. If it's a land card or a creature card with converted mana costs less than or equal to the number of loyalty counters on Nissa then you may put that card onto the battlefield. So lands just go onto the battlefield. They always have CMC of zero. Yeah. And then, you know, any creature card, if she's got four loyalty, if it's CMC four or less, like Hashitaker, you just put it onto the battlefield. Now, this is an interesting card because normally you don't want to, like, player for three mana with one loyalty. Mm-hmm. But in Muldrothi, you don't care because you don't care if she dies because you're just going to play her again. And, and she's bigger every time. And she's ramped sometimes. I find myself playing her for fairly cheap three Mm-hmm. Uh, very often if I don't have something else 
and just zeroing her because if I get a land, that's big game. Now I've ramped. You've actually just played uh, like a, a rampant a, a growth. Rampant growth. Yeah. yeah, and she's still there. They got to deal with her. Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of times, if they can't, she's maybe nobody has a creature that can attack. You're gonna get to do it again. Occasionally, you're just gonna play her in altar and win the game too. Yeah. So later in the game, if she's in your graveyard, a lot of times she's just ten damage at them. Oh yeah, I didn't read the ultimate. Sorry. Her negative six is untapped two target lands you control. They become. Five five elemental creatures with flying and haste until end of turn. They're still land, so you you nug somebody for five, for ten in the air. Yeah, also, the untap if you just happen to get her big enough, untapping two lands can can matter. Yeah, I've I've untapped two lands just to use them for mana before. Yeah, yeah. this is very good in this deck. Uh, these are just I think to the two best planeswalkers, and they're both in you know all of Moldrothus colors. Another benefit of being three color. Okay, so you want almost all permanents in the deck, but I did want to talk about some non permanents. You definitely don't want to build this deck and have like 10 instants and sorceries, right? Because Muldrotha does not do anything with those. You don't get extra value off them. But there are some that are powerful enough. And again, because of Scribe of the Mindful, you might be able to play them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did want to talk about some non-permanents. Well, this, this, one just... this first one is Insanity. Wait. Yeah. And it's so good in this format. There's just not a lot of stuff like it. It's rivers. Not a lot of stuff. It's it. This is it. <laughs> There's board wipes. But, the same but time, this is not a board wipe. Yeah, it's targeted. <laughs> yeah. And it sounds... See, it's funny because when I originally built the deck, I was a little unsure about this card because it only targets one player. So yeah. it's four blue blue for a sorcery. Rivers Rebuke. Return all non-land permanents target players... Con- Sorry. Return all non-land permanents target player controls to their owner's hand. So you Cyclonic Rift one player. That sounds it sounds good, but it doesn't sound insane. It's actually insane. Especially yeah, insane. <laughs> especially if you just show it to the table and just be like, yo, yeah. I can do this to you. And nobody wants that to happen to them. It's game no. over. And you just have a lot of power. And Not then, to mention with Scrab of the Mindful, you could also have you're playing with more power. You could just do it over and over. Yeah, so. watch game nights. Okay. All right. Um yeah. Next is Strategic Planning, which is just a good card. One in the blue, Sorcery, look at the top three cards of your library, draw one, and then put the rest into your graveyard. So draw three for two. That's that's man, insane. You just don't have that It's almost else. Ancestral Recall. Um, and the next one is Insidious Will. Two blue blue, choose one, counter target spell. You may choose new targets for target spell, or copy target instant or sorcery spell. You may choose new targets for the copy. So yeah. counter something, re- misdirect something, or fork something. Yeah, so basically, if you are only going to play one counterspell in the format, it's probably going to be this or Spell Swindle. Yeah. That's it. This card is so good because, A, Fork Your Rivers Rebuke, hit two people. That's amazing. B, there are Karns, Temporal, whatever, extra turn spell. You can be like, no, I want the extra turn. There are all these legendary sorceries. Yeah. Jaya's crazy, you know, target, uh, like... I, there are spells you're like, oh, instead of countering that, I would actually rather do the thing but have control over what's happening. Yeah. Um, AKA win the game with it. Okay. Duh. And then I wanted to take a second at the end to talk about ramp because ramp is going to be a thing. Um, it's going to be real tempting in Brawl to not stick to our, our card draw and man ramp. Mm-hmm. Now, what I did is I said, well, in Commander, we want 10 man ramp and 10 card draw. We have 60-card deck in Brawl, so I want at least six of each. Now, Moldrotha is kind of a card draw card because you have access to the cards in your graveyard. It kind of gives you access to extra cards. So then I wanted to bump as much stuff into ramp as possible. And so I ended up with like nine or ten pieces of ramp. And some of it is stuff that I, I didn't think was good. 
but the cards are actually good because we don't have soul rings. We don't have signets. And so a card like Oasis Ritualist doesn't seem like it would be up to snuff, but it really is. So Oasis Ritualist is three and a green for a creature Naga. Two, four, but you can tap it to add one man of any color to your mana pool. A four, man, a four CMC mana dork, not very good. But you can tap it and exert it to add two mana of any one color to your mana pool. Again, that doesn't seem good, right? Two mm. mana every other turn. Here's the thing. You play it on turn four. You're automatically casting Muldrotha the next turn Yeah. by exerting it. And you actually haven't played your land for turn, so you can always play that land out of the graveyard if you have it. It just ends up being like so, so good. Um, but again, this is not a card. And I think because you need card draw and you need man ramp in all of these brawl decks, you have to be willing on those cards to play stuff that you normally wouldn't be up to stuff. That's a little more inefficient. Yeah. Um, cause you can find the removal and, and stuff that's, that's just as good. Although board wipes are tough, but card draw and man ramp, you still need that stuff. And some of it, you got to play like Weaver of Currents? Yeah, yeah, I like this guy. One, a green and a blue. You just tap it to add two colorless to your mana pool. So basically, I will pay your commander tax. It's kind of a worn power stone, but it's on a creature. Yeah. We wouldn't play that in commander because the threat of it getting blown up is too big. But here, I think it's totally fine. Play all your land war elves. Drover of the Mighty is even good, even though it's a two-mana mana dork. Oh, I play it because yeah. I got dinosaurs in my deck. Right. Well, and you also need all five colors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this last one is good in the deck because it has that crossover we always talk about. It's a Rosca Relic. It's three mana for an artifact. It has Ascend, which means um, if you have 10 or more permanents, then you get City's Blessing. It taps for a colorless, and it says you can tap and sacrifice it, gain three life, and draw a card. You can only do that if you have the City's Blessing. So it's a card that's mana ramp and card draw, and it puts itself in your graveyard hits a bunch of our categories. It's one of the best cards in the deck. And a little life gain, too. Yeah. It's like unbridled growth if it costs two more and was colorless, but better. But ramped you. I ramped you as well. Oh, my gosh. Um, okay. So that's the deck. Uh, you can, of course, find the deck list in the show notes. In fact, people ask us all the time, where can I find the deck for that thing you talked about? You can always find the decks we talked about there. in the show notes in the more info box below the description. Game nights, you can always find them in the same place. Yep. Just go to our YouTube videos at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. So... The deck is very strong. It just chugs along. It, it feels unbeatable, honestly. I sat here and played Josh like five games in a row, and every single time I was like, all right, this is a pretty much like in the top 10% of hands I could have for opening and, and sequencing and ramping. I would still lose handedly. I One, just could never keep up because you're just being able to, getting rid of something and then just having it replayed is probably the most dissatisfying feeling when you're playing single target removal in this format. Well, and also like if the deck finds the thing that, it needs against you like it needs uh, artifact removal. Yeah. Then it plays that over and over again. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's brutal. That's a good. That's a really good. If point. it finds the counterspell and it, ha it sorry, if it finds um, scribe of the mindful against you and what it needs is counterspells, it plays counterspell over and over again, or spell swindle or Insidious rivers Will rebuke. Or rivers rebuke. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's very very powerful. Uh, we've played a number of games around here with Craig and Terry and everybody and. Um, the deck's good. It's not unbeatable, but it's good. I mean, I've definitely lost games with it, but it it feels like one of the stronger games or decks in our meta. Not that we've built every deck in Brawl or anything. Cause and it can, I mean, honestly, it might be able to beat a lot of my commander decks because I build them pretty, you know, 60, 70% sometimes. And I think this deck could definitely tussle with the 70% just because it would need to have very specific things going against it each time. So like good graveyard hate at the right time. Also the player, you need to know how to beat the deck is the other thing. Yeah. What cards are you? Because there's, talking about threat assessment, this deck has every single card 
that needs to be threat assessed at every different point based on different reasons. Yeah, it's very good. Like I said, I, I do believe it could hang in a game yeah. with regular commander decks. I don't think it would be the best. It would just be able to. It would. It wouldn't it would be hang. embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it definitely wouldn't be embarrassing. All right. To the listeners, have you guys tried Brawl yet? Um, like, have you actually played any games? I really am interested to hear. I want to hear it too. Uh, were and were the games you played multiplayer or were they one v one? I'm really trying to get some sort of barometer or some sort of idea for you know how people are consuming the format. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I saw it, because of its likeness to Commander, I automatically thought like, oh, this is a multiplayer format. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, you know, when I was up in Seattle for GP Seattle, there was a lot of spell slinging, and it was just one-on-one games. And they looked like they were a lot of fun and really interactive, but I don't also know if they built the decks for that or not. Um, And that's the thing, too, is I don't... I mean, how many players out there build decks normally, and how often? And how often are you going to jump into a new format and build it when you don't know other players? You won't be able to sit down at the table guaranteed and play it. Like, we did this because we had to make a show around it, but I haven't gone to any local game stores and been like, hey, y'all making Brawl decks? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to bring one Brawl deck at least to GP Vegas just to have it, but I have no idea how much call there will be for me to pull it out. Yeah, yeah. I don't honestly see myself making more than one unless there are a lot of people that I know that are playing it. That's I'm not making situation. more than one unless there's unless rotation gets taken care of. Cause... All right, guys, put Graveyard Hate in your decks. Multiple <laughs> copies. If you okay. see Josh. Um, well, if you want to pick up that Graveyard Hate, that Silent Gravestone, yeah. that, then you need to go to cardkingdom.com slash command zone and order that stuff because if you do that, you'll be getting the cards you need to beat my deck and also simultaneously supporting this show and Game Nights and all of our content. Yep, that's all you have to do is just value. enter. Yeah, it's mad value. Just use that affiliate link. And of course, Ultra Pro. Anywhere you can buy Magic product, your LGSs, even a lot of big box retailers, you can find Ultra Pro products. Buying their stuff supports the show. They have, of course, we think the best sleeves in the entire world right now, the Eclipse sleeves. I really, really like them. And I'm a guy that has a ton of foils and these have a matte finish on them. I actually like what it is because the card sleeves feel durable and they're not going to tear. And I've had, I can't even tell you how many problems I've had with KMC recently. So I'm so glad that I'm able to switch over and just not have to worry about it. That is a big part of my happiness. All right. Now it's time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic. Jimmy. Yeah. You had a pretty amazing announcement. Yeah, and I'm really excited about it. So uh, I don't know when you're listening to this episode, but probably a couple of weeks ago, I announced on Twitter that I am going to be in a movie called Wish Dragon, which is a Chinese and a Sony Pictures Animations co-production. It's with a company called Sparkle Roll Entertainment, which happens to be uh, partially owned, I believe, by Jackie Chan. And he's going to be in the Chinese version of the movie. I'm going to be the main character in the American version of the movie. Main character. Coming out next year. Uh, so I've been, if you want to think about the comparison, the movie is a modern retelling of the Aladdin story. Uh, and I can't say much more than that, but I essentially play the character that is Aladdin. So the main character. There's my also, voice. um, Constance Wu is yeah, in Constance it. Yeah, Constance Wu is in it. John Cho is in it. Bobby Lee, Jimmy O. Yang. Uh, a lot of really awesome actors. Jimmy uh, O. Yang. Is that the guy from uh, Silicon, Silicon Valley? Valley? Yeah. Oh, he's so good. He's my Jimmy from Another Mother. It's funny. <laughs> I met him recently. He was like, Jimmy? I was like, Jimmy! <laughs> it was a weird, bizarre moment in my life. That's awesome. Yep. So the movie's coming out. It's going to be 2019. I think you're going to hear about a lot more from us as time goes on. But it's very exciting. Uh, and it's one of two major announcements I have this year. Uh, so of course, the other one's pretty cool too. Yeah, lots of cool stuff happening, and uh, I'm excited. I don't know. It's it's weird. I'm entering into a new phase. I guess someone's like, "You're a real movie star now." I'm like, I never want to put that title on myself. That's the last thing I want to call myself. 
Too bad. You're a real movie star now. <laughs> I guess so. You don't get to choose such things. It was Scara, by the way. So hello, Scara. Nice to <laughs> nice to see you, man. Come on, game it's night sometime. It's pretty exciting. I mean, it's a big deal. It's going to be a, a big movie, and you're the main character. So yeah, very exciting, man. Congratulations. Super Thank proud you. of you. And I've seen a lot of it as well. I think it is going to be a very good movie. Sweet. Okay. Something else that's very good is the Masters of Modern podcast. <laughs> Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman, they talk about the modern format and all things competitive magic. You know, if you liked Ben on Game Nights and you want to see more of them, oh, yeah. go to Masters of Modern. Of course. Uh, you can find them on Twitter at the MMCast or right next to us on Collected.Company. Our editor for the podcast is Craig Blanchett. You can find all of these videos at youtube.com slash the command zone podcast. And a big special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer. If you go on those videos on our YouTube site, you'll see this awesome intro and outro. It's done by Jeffrey at Living Cards MTG. He also does a lot of that animated backgrounds behind us. And of course, a big shout out to Terry Robertson, the original editor of the podcast. Uh, before that was Eli, but now Terry is on the game nights and working his butt off currently, trying to get the next episode out the door for you guys. So thanks, Terry. We love you. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Peace. For further inquiries, send an email to commandcast at rocketjump.com or ask us on Twitter at JF Wong and at Josh Lee Kwai. See you later, alligator. Greetings, humans. (laughs) Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.